You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling in the helping spirits. So I call in uh, first my own helping spirits and I call out to your helping spirits I call out to our ancestors I call out to those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to us here today I call out to those who lived well those who died well those who were willing to learn what life required of them to learn to do what it was that they came here to do I call out to those ancestors, those ancestors who arrived and realized things were not exactly as they seemed and learned how to understand what was really going on anyway. So I call out to these ancestors, these ancestors who walked the journey with that second eye, that that willingness, that desire, that curiosity to see what was going on below the surface. So I ask them to be with us here today, yours and mine, to gather round, to bring to us that legacy that we might learn from them and to be better able ourselves to understand what is really going on here and how to see below the surface of things to that which is right and true. So I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today and give thanks for their presence. And with the ancestors and the helping spirits gathered round, let us move our awareness from our heads to our hearts And from our hearts down to our bellies and from our bellies down to the earth. And take a moment as we begin to move our energy into the earth to give gratitude for this day. To take a moment and give gratitude for your life. And to give gratitude for all the great diversity of life around you that has made your day what it has been so far. And that will make your day what it is to be. We call out to the earth to hear our gratitude for this amazing experience that we call life. For the many, many gifts that come, those that seem to be blessings upon arrival and those that seem to be challenges. We give thanks for all of it, all that has been on the road that has brought us to this moment. For all that is here with us at this time and for all that will be, we give thanks to the earth. And we give thanks to the earth at the core for the miracle and the awe of life. And with this great gratitude in our hearts, when this moment in the great busyness of the day to say thank you in our hearts for this life that we are living. From that place of silence within, with the blossoming of gratitude, let us reach down through all the layers of the earth. Moving down through the crust of the earth below you, down through the molten layers of the earth, the very core of the earth, and by whatever way you need to. Imagine grounding your energy firmly there in the very center of the earth and to feel your choice to be in this day and to be grounded. And with your energy reached down there in the center of the earth, we call up the energy of the earth, drawing this energy up, drawing into ourselves, drawing into these, this day, drawing into these proceedings, the energy that restores, that rejuvenates, that replenishes, that allows us to renew ourselves um, after the great challenges that the journey has for us. We call up this energy of the earth into our bodies into our bellies, into our lives. And from this energy, let us grow in our understanding of how to be grounded, how to make that choice and to live in that way, how to cultivate a sense of hearth and home that is not tied to a location or a people, but is tied to this planet and this family of humanity. Let us have a sense of home that allows us to open the doors to the others and invite them in. Help us to understand that the richness of our life comes by extending um, our resources out to those who are different than we are. So we ask the energy of the earth to help us to understand the true power of diversity in this way and to begin to engage with it on purpose in our lives, not accidentally. 
So we call out to the earth and we ask the earth to help us to connect from this sense of hearth, of home, of belonging, to connect not only to ourselves and to the earth, but to begin to reach out and connect with others, to connect with our environment and to connect with the invisible world, and to begin to tend the quality of our relationships, to stop projecting our suffering out on the animals, on the environment, on those other people suffering in that other country, but to understand that if it is out there, it is in here. And we ask the energy of the earth to give us the restoration and rejuvenation, the accountability, the trustworthiness, the dependability to look within ourselves first and to heal the suffering there so that the world out there is not required to reflect it to us. And we ask the energy of the earth to keep teaching us this most important message of the reflection of things around us. And from this energy of the earth, let us connect, connect to others, connect to the environment and connect in particular to the spirit world. And may we have in this day some moment where we connect to that great sense of the oneness of all things, this huge web of life, and to feel our place within it and come into right relationship with ourself in that way. So with the energy of the earth brought into our belly and brought into our heart, let us Draw that energy up into our mind and from our mind out into the sky, moving through the weather of the day, moving out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos, all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you name this energy, name it, reach it, touch it, be one with it and begin to draw it down, drawing into yourself, drawing into this day, drawing into our proceedings here, this energy from above drawing in this divine energy, drawing in all the wisdom of the cosmos, drawing in the essential energy of blessing. May your day be blessed in this way. We call in the energy of protection. We call in the generosity and benevolence of this universe. And we call in the energy of devotion, the energy of focus and commitment, the energy of inspiration and illumination that will guide us. We call these energies in and draw them in through all the layers of the sky, into our head, our heart, our body, and send them all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, the heavens connect to the center of the earth, and the earth connects to the center of the heavens. And this connection moves through us, the humans. So let us take a moment and allow these energies to illuminate our center core, to illuminate our bellies, our hearts, and our minds. And we let the, let the powerful love of these two legendary lovers awaken the spirit of our own heart. So we call out to the spirit of the heart to open and awaken to be the crucible of change that you are. And we call up our own fiery passions in our belly and we draw down our own clarity, crystalline, clear understanding from our mind. We draw it into our heart and we let those two energies dance without destroying either one but in this complementary dualism this dance that has tension and rhythm and design and gives forth then this third energy that did not exist until you came into this life which is the understanding the feeling the sense of your soul's purpose of the reason you are here in this body at this time on this planet to bring these gifts to the world and may you find in that very same heart the courage that you need to do something in this day to make that purpose real. And so with the assistance here of the earth below, the sky above, the ancestors gathered around, the heart connecting all of it, we give great thanks to the spirit help that will help us to do what needs to be done in this day, to say what needs to be said, to hear what needs to be heard. And I ask that these spirits help these proceedings to go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So with great thanks to the spirit world, I also give thanks to the people, to Nate, to Christina, to Matthew, Catherine, and Paula, and all of you who have donated phys- uh, financially in the past week, and that is helping me to pay the bills and keep the show on the air. I give thanks to those of you who are able to do this, large or small, any amount, I give thanks to you because there are many who listen to the show who feel they cannot. And for those of you who cannot, I ask you to use the show to put these teachings into action in your life in a way that changes your circumstances so that you can bring in the resources in your life that you need to bring your gifts to the world because people, we need them all. And so I give thanks to those of you who are able to donate for those who at this time cannot.
And I give thanks for those of you who are taking the teachings and turning them over into lessons, into actions, into things in your life that create change. I give thanks to those of you that offer questions. And by the way, the little stream of questions is drawing up. It could be August. It could be everybody out there playing about. But uh, it's time, folks, to send your questions in. Help the show to stay alive with the things that you feel you need to understand more deeply about your own shamanic practice. Be you simply just a shamanic journeyer trying to bring journeying into your life or an actual practitioner. Um, of shamanic healing forms. So please send in your questions and I am forever and deeply grateful for those of you who take the time to send me those emails that tell me how you have used something from the show in your life and made a difference in the world. So I thank you all for all you are doing. If this show moves you in any way, if it moves you in the heart, doesn't matter what direction it moves you in, you've been moved. And if you've been moved in the heart, let that motivation in the heart move you into action. And I ask you to do something large or small uh, to contribute to the strength of the show itself. Um, For those of you who don't know, all of the archives of the show from 2009 are on the show website, not iTunes. Well, they're all on iTunes too, but um, not necessarily on the Society of Shamanic Practitioners site, but on the whyshamanismnow.com site. People have been emailing me to ask me where they can find the show. It's like, well, it's on the show archives. Google it. Download it. Listen to it. Do something with it. Um, it's all right there. There's also a support button. You can donate any amount, large or small. Um, all of it goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And I am thankful for your support in all these many ways. I personally think it's pretty cool that we have found a way with the assistance of technology, of Ken at cocreatornetwork.com, and all of you to use technology to help us to develop um, a broader understanding of shamanic teachings in the world. It's kind of cool. So let's keep it up. All right, so we are live here this week. If you have questions about today's topic, which is beginning shamanic journeying stumbling blocks, misconceptions and expectations that get in your way and how to get around it. Um, This is also a show that's about beginning shamanic journeying expectations that persist into people's practices, into even people's shamanic healing practices. And keep their practice at this level of this sort of mental construct. And don't allow people to dive deeply into the true energies that infuse a shamanic practice and make it real. As we talked about last week, last week's show was about the shaman's power. Um, So uh, we are live. So if you want to call in, you can call in at 512-772-1938. Or you can Skype in from co-creatornetwork.com site. Or you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. You can also go to lastmasscenter.org if you are interested in classes um, that I teach. Um, We are teaching the clearing class. I talk about all the time on the show in Tucson, Arizona, kind of in the middle of the country, um, in two weeks. So you can go to the lastmasscenter.org site, go to the calendar, go to September, uh, follow the link to the people that have the contact information for the class, and I'll see you in Tucson. Okay, so... Back to shamanic journey. As I said, last week we were talking about the the shaman's power. Where does it come from? How it comes from the spirits, for lack of a better word. We explored how the altered states of the shaman put the shaman into intimate connection with this original sacred power. And that the shaman's primary altered states are, everybody all together now, shamanic journeying. Whether this is induced by drums or other sonic drivers or ayahuasca, it's about the dreaming body of the journeyer going there, going into the normally invisible world to meet the helping spirits on their own turf, so to speak. So that's the journeying uh, type of uh, trance state that shamans work in. The other equally important altered state that um, shamans work in, and this is equally important if we look at shamanism as a global phenomenon, as humanity's gift from the spirit world, um, is the embodiment trance state. And so instead of us moving into our spirit body and going there to be with the the helping spirits on their turf, we are inviting the helping spirits to come here into our bodies and to help us here in the physical world on our turf. Um, So 
this is uh, important for today's show because I'm, I want to talk about how these altered states are embodied states, that they both require that you participate in them physically if you want to go deep enough into these to move them out of a good idea in your head and into actual shamanic journey states or embodiment states. But today we're really just focusing on journey states. So this is in many ways an extension of last week's show talking about the shaman's power and how do you as an everyday average person, a human, um, connect to this energy. Because the other thing that we talked about is last week, as I said, you know, the fact that the helping spirits come to you does not mean anything. That is what helping spirits do. They come to help us when we are in need. And most people, frankly, are in need. Um, <coughs> excuse me. There's many people in need who don't realize they're in need. But the bottom line is they come to help us because that's what they do. And the fact that you can journey or enter at altered states easily doesn't necessarily mean anything either. That's what humans do. Humans are designed neurologically to enter many altered states. And I mean that in a healthy way. I don't mean they're designed to be crazy. I mean they're designed to enter many altered states. I mean, let's face it, orgasmic altered states. That these altered states are ecstatic altered states. We're designed to go there. There are many ways to get there. This is what humans do. So the fact that you do this more easily perhaps than your neighbors doesn't mean anything. It means you're human. And so we need uh, to maintain – we need these altered states to maintain our sanity and to come to understand what is really going on here in this life. What is going on under the surface? Why did I just break the same foot another time? Why are the things that are happening in my life happening and why do they look suspiciously familiar? Why do these things seem to be patterns? Why am I cycling? This is what's going on for everybody. Whether they choose to engage with it or not is a game-changing question. Are you going to engage with what your life is trying to teach you or not? Because everybody is human. I mean, everybody here who is human, <laughs> everybody here who is human is engaged in a life and the life is trying to teach you because your life is conspiring with your soul to get you to wake up to why you are here. That is happening for everyone, no matter your orientation, race, creed, color, whatever. This is what it means to be human. So the question for you is, are you going to pay attention to this in a meaningful way? Are you going to be annoyed by it your whole life? Are you going to blame other people for it your whole life? Are you going to keep breaking the same foot over again? Or are you going to pay attention? Are you going to learn how to communicate with your life? And so today's show, yes, it's about shamanic journeying. And it's about shamanic journeying as a means by which your everyday human can engage with their everyday helping spirits and begin to participate in their own life in a meaningful way, paying attention to the messages they're getting and understanding how to get below the surface of things. And that this for me, is one of the main reasons that I teach. I don't, I'm not particularly interested in training people to be shamanic healers. I'm particularly interested in helping people engage with being human because I believe we need more conscious, uh, better quality choices being made in every single walk of life. This is what I believe is important right now. And there's people all over the world, frankly, right now, you know, churning out shamans, quote unquote. Some will be great. Most will not. I don't want to participate in that in that way right now. What I am interested in is how do we, the people, change the story for the new world? And if we are going to do that, you and I, we all need help. We need a little divine intervention. So we humans need to do what humans are designed to do, which is learn to intentionally enter altered states, to engage with helping spirits they already have, and engage with the life that's already trying to teach them so that we can understand what the hell are we doing here right now and how do we do it in the best way possible? How do we change the story? Why are we the ones alive now? 
what is it that each one of us has to bring to contribute to this great song? Each one of us has a particular piece of that or we wouldn't be here right now. That is what is most fascinating to me about this time. How do we do this? How do we rewrite the story for the people, for the new world? And my thesis here is that we can't do it very well without help or we're just going to repeat a new version of the same old story. We all just barely survived. So let's get with the program. Okay, so where was I? Right, okay. So the ability to journey makes you human. It doesn't make you a shaman. So let's get on with it. Let's get on with this whole journey and thing. So, and I just told you why I would love to see everyone learn the practice of shamanic journeying, not because I think everybody needs to learn to be shamans. But I really wish everybody would learn to be in direct communication with their own helping spirits, as humans used to do. You know, this is the, like, okay, a great misunderstanding in academia about shamanic people. Because people thought the ability to journey defined shamans. They didn't understand that it's initiation, it's training, it's the ability to deliver the goods, frankly, that defines someone as a shaman. But that in, in, in all of these cultures around the world, there's a culturally sanctioned altered state that every adult is expected to practice. And sometimes it was different for men than for women and different cultures, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter whether you entered that altered state through blowing hallucinogenic snuff up your nose or whether you did it through long um, drum-led journeys in Lapland or whether you it – does, it doesn't matter what the driver is for the journey because this is what adults were expected to do on a regular basis to, to gain uh, wisdom – from their helping spirits, from their ancestors, I mean, however we, they conceived of it, to guide their family, to, to do what they were here to do in the best way possible. And this was part of what defined you as an adult, was your willingness to step up and look below the surface and to step up and stop repeating the same patterns over and over again, you know, naively or or insanely expecting some different outcome. Okay, so moving right along. Sorry, I'm getting up on the soapbox. Um, Okay, so let's review shamanic journeying then. So shamanic journeying is a very simple discipline. It has a discipline. It has a protocol. And if you follow the protocol, you accept the discipline and you practice it and it becomes second nature, then you're able to move easily into this particular kind of altered state in which you are able to remain task-focused and open to answers, which, if you're really having a good journey, won't make any sense to you at the time that you receive them. You'll simply know they're true. So, the discipline. Very simple discipline. You begin with your intention. You don't lollygag. You don't go just visit the spirit world. You don't go, oh, so cool. I'm on an ayahuasca journey. Let's see what happens. No, you have an intention. This is focus. This has a purpose. This is about not wasting the time of your helping spirits by lollygagging around as if you don't have a gajillion things you need to do. I mean, even if you're not suffering, even if you don't need healing, even if you're perfect, you still have a soul's purpose and you still need to be living it. So we always have a question. We always have an intention. We always have something that is there for us to take to the spirit world to ask about or to to have an intention to receive something about. So there's your intention. If it is a journey, you have a vehicle, you have the thing that induces the journey. These are the same things. They're just talked about a little bit different ways. So this could be a sonic driver, like a drum, like a rattle. It can be song. It can be dance. It can be anything that sets up a repetitious rhythm like the didgeridoo, the singing bowls, the any of that stuff. Um, it can be hallucinogenic plants. Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the driver is. But there is a vehicle for a shamanic journey. 
Okay. Then there is your place. There is your starting place. Where do you begin your journeys? Then there, then you discover your path from your starting place to your opening. And your opening is where you come out in non-ordinary reality. And that is the place that you meet your helping spirits. And so these five things, your intention, your vehicle, your starting place, your opening, your helping spirits, this is what makes it a journey. So once you've discovered your path, then from your starting place to your helping spirits, you've sorted out your version of how the discipline is going to come together for you, then you just use that. Don't reinvent that every time. That is not the point. You use your path and you use it and use it and use it until potentially in the future, if you're a practitioner, there may be good reason to change it or to ask for another path. But for the basic human wanting to connect with their helping spirits and learning to journey, once you find your path, there is conceivably you could do it that way your whole life. That is not the important bit. It is simply the discipline that allows the journeying to work. So you just use it. You just practice. So the thing, though, is to really engage the practice to bring your senses into the journey, your senses of your physical body. And as your awareness shifts more into your dream body than your physical lying or sitting on the floor body, you need to keep your awareness in all of your senses so that they're able to draw in the multidimensional communication that's coming from the invisible world. So shamanic journeying then is not a mental construct to be understood by your rational mind. You know, you don't, you don't stop your dreams and say, wait a minute, you don't make sense. My rational mind here needs to make you make sense. You don't do that in your dreams at night. You don't do that or you shouldn't be doing that in your journeys either. That journeying is an embodied practice that requires surrender to this basic discipline, intention, vehicle, starting place, opening, helping spirits return, right? The discipline then frees the mind from your ordinary thought and allows your senses that are normally engaged with supporting your ordinary thought. It allows your senses, both ordinary, you know, your five senses, and extraordinary, your intuitive senses, to engage with these formless powers, these, these energies that are normally of the invisible world, and your heartfelt feeling that comes from being in the invisible world. So that's a journey is being available, being accessible, opening yourself up to the experience of the journey, not trying to draw it through the strainer of your mental construct. Not that your mind doesn't have a very important job journeying. It does. I mean, your imagination lives in your mind. So you got to bring your mind with you. But the whole point of the journey is to get your mind to work in a non-ordinary way. And so part of the gridlock people create in journeying is they, they want the journey to make sense in an ordinary way. But the entire point of journeying is to get your mind to function in a non-ordinary way, to begin to associate things differently and ideally to begin to draw in as valid bits and bites of information, um, information that normally your rational mind uh, discounts. Okay. So far, so good. So what makes a journey a journey? Okay, so what is not a journey? Okay, a daydream is a very important practice to cultivate. When they told you to sit down, shut up in school and stop daydreaming, that was a mistake. One should never stop daydreaming. It's a very important part of cultivating the imagination and cultivating your visionary capacity. It is not journeying. But it is an important tool. Okay. Meditation. Many, many forms of meditation in the first place. Huge, vast means of human beings entering altered states. Powerful, important tools. Not journeying. And I'm not comparing them as better or worse. I'm just saying what is a journey and what is not a journey. Okay. Visualization. Active visualization. I'm going to say, raising my hand right now. Active intentional visualization, engaging your imagination and taking yourself into visualization processes is a huge part of the cycle teachings that I teach. A huge part of my shamanic teaching. Very, very important. 
not journeying, not the same thing. Using many of the same aspects or attributes of a human, particularly the imagination and the capacity for visualization, but not the same. And, and I'm really, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, bitch mode today. I'm really taking a stand here saying, as a shamanic teacher, I am not one of those teachers that says, yeah, once you learn a journey, you don't need to bother with that anymore, that your intuition is just the same. Because my personal experience in life is that's not true. It's not that my intuition is an important information. It's that the information I get from my intuition and the information I get from journeying are two different sets of information and they're both important. So if I discount journeying and say, ooh, I'm a shaman now. I don't need to journey anymore. Then I'm missing out on a huge portion of that information. And what I'm trying to say today is that that information, that pool of information that we receive from developing this ongoing working relationship with our helping spirits is available to every human being. And that if we as adults in our culture or in cultures around the world, if all of us as adults stepped up to cultivating this and using it in our decision-making process, we would change the world immediately. Right now, we are... Uh, We are offering up a world to be inherited by the next generation that we should be embarrassed about. And I'm not even talking about the grandkids. I'm talking about the children that are here now. How are we going to change that, people? We need help. So this is what I'm talking about today. How do we get help? Okay, so visualization. Hugely important skill to cultivate. Not the same as journeying. Intuition. Okay, we couldn't journey if we didn't actually have intuition. We couldn't interpret the journeys without intuition. We can't really even creatively understand how to act on the journeys without intuition. We wouldn't actually even know there's something else going on here below the surface without intuition. Intuition, critically important. Very important to develop. One of the beauties of journeying is it will help you develop your intuition. And one of the beauties of your intuition, it will help you develop your journeying. The important thing is they are not the same. They, they give us access to two different, very important pools of information. Dreaming, nighttime dreaming, you know, Robert Moss. Nighttime dreaming, fabulous tool to work with. Not the same as journeying, but very, very important. And in many shamanic cultures, highly developed skill to begin intentional dreaming or lucid dreaming or all these other things. So dreaming, beautiful, important. If that's where your intuition takes you, develop it. It's great. The beauty of journeying, as distinct from this dream work, is the ability to go question and answer, question and answer, question and answer. Because as humans... When it comes down to what action do I take today so that that big thing can happen somewhere out in the future, we need journeying. Most of us, some people perhaps, but most of us are going to start getting that level of clarity quicker through journeying. And again, like intuition, your journey life will cultivate your dream life and your dream life can cultivate your journey life. So these are all kissing cousins, right? not better or worse, just different. Okay. And, and finally, praying. You know, if I'm asking for help, how is journeying any different than praying? Well, for most people, praying involves asking for help and then trusting you've received it, <laughs> which is beautiful. There is nothing in the world wrong with prayer. I start every day at my ancestral altar with blessings and prayers. Praying is beautiful, important, and powerful. Praying for other people is extremely powerful. And it is not journeying. Journeying is about cultivating a dialogue, a relationship, two-way conversation. Now, I have met some little old ladies in New York, actually, not so much here in Portland, but in New York, who go to church twice a day, every day, not just on Sundays, with their rosaries, and they pray. And man, those ladies can pray. And, and I'd be willing to say, yeah, they probably are having a two-way communication, right? 
but they're practicing prayer. They're dedicated twice a day. Of course it's working. So how is journeying different? It's a, it's a different expectation of communication, a different quality of relationship. And for most of us, since most of us aren't going to go to church twice a day and pray, journeying fits into our life more easily. For most people, prayer is not a two-way dialogue. It's a one-way communication. That doesn't make it um, less powerful. It makes it differently powerful. Okay, so I think I've made my point. All right, so the world of the shamanic journey is not here on the surface of our life that is safe and familiar, right? It requires that we dive deeper into the realms of our dreams, into the realms of our heart and our heartbreak, and into that realm where we know things we shouldn't know, and they're right there next to the unknown and all that we are afraid of. This is where we are trying to get into when we dive into journeying. So the other thing I said earlier that's important in our little review of what is a journey is that it is an induced altered state that is task-focused and involves the engagement with helping spirits in the accomplishment of the task. And so these th- those three elements are important for it to actually be a journey. If there's no helping spirits involved, this is a visualization. Right. I mean, these things, like I said, they're all cousins, but part of the cultivation of a journey practice, even if that's, like I said, even if that's all you're doing is you as a grown up are saying, yes, Christina, I want to step up to this piece. I'm going to learn to journey and start making better decisions for myself and my family. Hallelujah. More power to you, brother. More power to you, sister. If that's all you're going to do, you need to remember it is induced You use the drum or the whatever you're going to use to move you into the journey. It is task-focused. You have your intention of why you were there, your question, whatever it is, and that you are engaging with your helping spirits in the journey. This is what makes it, at its essence, a journey. So we journey with intentions, like my intention is to receive something or to have uh, some kind of experience that I need, or with questions. So sometimes our intention is to get an answer to a question. Um, we journey a lot with questions. And so people often forget about the intention journeys. Um, the next aspect of journeying is that the journey itself needs to be interpreted after the journey's over. So that's the next piece. And then the final piece, of course, is the actions that we decide to take in life as guided by our interpretation of the journey. So this is the kind of the full complement of an um, engaged journey practice in life. So, as I promised today, what are the common misconceptions or expectations that I run across as I work with people who are learning to journey uh, or have learned to journey and are working with journeying in their life as, um, as an actual problem-solving tool? Or... Um, also as a path to engage healing energy, either for themselves or their family. Okay. So the first expectation that really gets in people's way is this idea based on Hollywood and books, I think, that the shamanic journey is some kind of full-on 100% out-of-body experience. And it's not. That expectation stops many people from actually easily slipping into a totally valid shamanic journey. This expectation that somehow they should be 100% fully out of their body. Journeying is not astral traveling. Astral traveling is not journeying. Okay. So one of the common definitions of a shaman, what makes the shaman different is that they have a foot in both worlds. That doesn't mean they're crazy. It just means they're able to move back and forth between being utterly in ordinary reality and utterly in non-ordinary reality. And so there's this sense of developing this ability to track in both worlds and often track in both worlds simultaneously. And so my point of that is that your shamanic journey state that you will be aware of your body in the room that it's in, in the space that it's in, that you most likely will not lose your awareness of that. The important thing in the journey is just to not pay attention to it. Who cares, 
right? You're sitting in a room. You're lying in a room. Why should you pay attention to what's going on in your body? Why pay attention to your journey? It's not that you'll lose your entire sense of your body and you don't want to. Because when you start, so if we look at shamans and their development, one of the most important things is develop, in the development is to cultivate accurate discernment about icky energies, problematic energies, energies that bring disease, energies that bring suffering. And one of the primary ways that you know, quote unquote, in the journey that this is a problematic energy is that you feel it in your body, that you have a natural physical body revulsion to encountering the energy in the journey. Now, for garden variety journeyers, you're not necessarily going to be encountering these energies in your journeys. My point is, I'm using this as the proof that having some awareness of sensation in your body while you're journeying is actually a highly skilled part of shamanic journeying. So it's not 100% out-of-body experience. You're actually meant to be tracking and paying some attention to sensations in your body. That I get a lot of clarifying information from body signals while I'm in a much more complex experiential journey. Um, many of the answers to questions I have, which are basically some version of what the hell is going on, are actually coming out of um, body sensations, not some sort of intellectual knowing that this energy is a something demon. It's not coming out of my head. It is so easy to fool the human mind. The most powerful sorcery begins by giving you what you need, what you perceive that you need. And thus begins the manipulation. And so your body, which is largely unmanipulatable, if you remove the head, your body is your best friend in your journey for helping you discern what's going on. So don't try to leave your body entirely and have no sensation from your body. It's a very important source of information and it's critical in cultivating discernment in your journey. So another expectation that people have is that you must quiet your mind or still your mind first. And, you know, unless you've already cultivated this ability through your own meditation practice, good luck, <laughs> right? I mean, mostly when you're told to quiet your mind or still your mind, most people sit there and worry, right? That's not helpful, right? So what I love about journeying is you don't actually have to still or quiet or cultivate your mind because, frankly, your mind's going to go be on a journey. You get to go have an adventure. The most important thing is that you learn to choose what you focus on. Focus on what's happening in the journey and stay focused on what's happening in the journey. Choose continually while you are journeying to pay attention to what's happening in the journey. Don't pay attention to what you need for dinner. Don't pay attention to other things going on in your mind. Ignore them. So there's, there's a whole litany of doubt and uncertainty and why don't you go get a real job and all of these voices in my head that have been there from the very first time I started journeying. They're still there. It's been 25 years. Still there. But now I barely hear them. They say the same thing over and over again all the time. They're so boring. But now I, I, I don't even notice them. Every once in a while, I'll notice them and just chuckle that they're still there. They're still trying, right? But they're just scared, you know, voices based on fear. And I don't even hear them hardly anymore. It's all about choosing what to focus on. It's not about some perfect space of stilling your mind. I mean... Bless the hearts of those of you that have cultivated that capacity. Good Lord. I mean, bravo for the time and energy you've put into doing that. Bravo for your practice. But don't think you have to do that to journey well because you don't. The point is in journeying is learning to focus on the discipline of asking questions while opening to the answer. And um, it's not about achieving some mental concept of focus, but about actively engaging in what the journey is about, 
which is about asking a question and receiving an answer, asking that same question again, receiving another version of the answer and proceeding until you feel a sense in your intuition that you've received the fullness of that answer. And then you exit the journey and interpret it, figure out what the hell to do with it. So this whole, I must quiet my mind. I can't still my mind. So I can't journey cop out, not real. The whole point of the journey is it's good for people like you because it's active in your mind. You don't have to still your mind. You're having a journey. You're on a quest. You got helping spirits happening. You're turning into a snake. You know, now you're an eagle. Oh my God. You know, now you're having a fight with a gondor. I mean, it's active, right? It's great for people who don't know how to still their mind yet. You just have to learn to choose what to focus on. And hmm, how else might that help you in your life? One of the five greatest regrets of people when they die or as they are dying is they didn't learn soon enough in life that happiness is a choice. You know, it's it's that whole thing about people who choose to see their life as the glass is half full or half empty. Life is about your choices. Choosing matters. Choosing matters all the time, every day. The same thing is true in journeying. You got to learn to choose. You got to learn to choose what you want to focus on. And I would invite you all in our ever more multitasking reality to start to really look at how you use multitasking and focusing on 500 things at one time as a way to distract yourself from whatever it is that is really going on in your life. All right? Nothing wrong with technology. It's just how we use it. Okay, back to misconceptions and expectations. Okay, so the other big expectation people bring into journeys is they want to see the journey as a movie, as a coherent plot that actually makes sense. And the problem with this is in every circle, there is someone who gets that, bless their hearts, right? But most people don't journey that way. I don't journey that way. That even when I journey for other people, which are my most, my fullest journeys are journeys for other people, it's still not a coherent story. It's not still a coherent plot line that just unfolds for me. So that expectation of seeing a movie, which we all have because we all do that. We spend a lot of time watching TV, movies, you know, having all this visual input that has a plot, has a story. Right? It distorts our expectation level for our own journeys, which frankly are based on hallucinations. You know, <laughs> hallucinations don't usually have a coherent plot line. <laughs> you know, that's partly how you know it's a hallucination. So that's a, that, that, that desire to see a movie in your journey is a very unrealistic expectation and it really gets in people's way. Now, with that said, a second expectation that gets in the way is simply the expectation to see. And yes, there are schools of shamanism that really push people. If you're not seeing uh, the journey, it's not a real journey. And I call bullshit on that because I don't believe that that is actually um, supported if we look at shamanism globally. Um, but more important to that, I really see that as the, you know, the, the march of the great extroverts, you know, this, this idea that it should be this visual experience really, um, uh, uh, denigrates, uh, uh, diminishes, diminishes the value of what we feel, diminishes the value of what we hear, what we taste, what we touch, What is the actual experience of being in the journey? And the problem with this whole um, bias towards seeing, well, I mean, the biggest problem in the bias towards seeing is it's very easy to be fooled in your journey uh, insight, to fool your vision. You thought you saw that, and then you go back later to find out what the hell went wrong, and you realize it isn't actually what you saw. There was something else going on there. So for me, my personal belief, the way I teach people to journey is to use all of your senses all of the time. And if you're not seeing, fine, close your eyes and smell, close your eyes and hear, close your eyes and feel, reach out and touch with your hands. Don't worry about not seeing. It's not a big deal. 
is overrated. The other problem with seeing is that it lends itself towards people having this expectation that their journey is going to be rational, that that their ordinary mind is going to be able to participate in this journey. And your ordinary mind, remember what I said in the beginning, the whole point is a non-ordinary experience. And so you don't necessarily want your journey making sense to your ordinary mind. But the more we see, the more we expect the movie, the more we focus in this very, very visual realm, it tends to lend itself towards this mental interpretation, which leads us right back to our rational mind, which leads us into this very mental, non-embodied experience of journeying, which moves us towards this sort of mental construct journey, this 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 concept uh, version of shamanism, knowing all the right words, knowing all the right concepts, the people whose websites say, you know, the shamanic journey is being a hollow bone, you know, utterly misunderstanding A, journeying, which everyone can do, and B, what it really takes to become a hollow bone. You can journey without being a hollow bone, right? Becoming a hollow bone is a huge process, you know, reference episode about hollow bone in the Why Shamanism Now archives. So, so the problem with this bias towards seeing is it, it is part of what I believe has moved us as contemporary practitioners into this disembodied, very intellectual, conceptual, uh, buzzword, idea-based shamanism that isn't actually allowing us to access the deeper energies that are available to us through shamanism, but more importantly, our own deeper energies, which are usually blocked from us initially by our own deeper need to heal. And if we stay up in the idea realm, we're not going to touch that world. Okay, moving right along. Um, The other expectation is simply this expectation that you should actually understand your journey while you're having it. And remember, journeys are based on dreams, hallucinations, these experiences we have that don't necessarily make sense when we're having them. I mean, they're coherent when we're having them in their own particular logic, but they fall apart if we start to think about them too much. We have to, we have to engage with the memory of them intuitively. If we start to pick them apart with our rational mind, they usually kind of unravel. And so it's important to not have the expectation while you're journeying that your journey, which is the answer to your question, makes any sense. It doesn't have to. Because the whole point of journeying is reaching an answer you don't understand yet that is outside of the grasp of your current known reality. That is the point of journeying. So why would you want to keep drawing back answers from non-ordinary reality that make perfect sense to you? Now, Making perfect sense is different than the physical experience of knowing that it is true. So in other words, I can know that journeys are true and not understand them. That's a good journey. I have that a lot for the people that I work with. I know that what is coming through is true for them, that it's good information, it's good energy, it's working, it's going to work for them, but I don't understand it. I might do my best to, to give them pieces of understanding that will allow them to engage with it and come to understand it. But I don't necessarily understand it. Okay. So another misconception is that your own personal answer to your journey is some sort of absolute truth. And there's a really gentle, and I'm not even going to get into the arrogant examples of that, but here's a really gentle, common example. So in my year two class, we're in our week-long retreat. We're doing big journeys, big shadow journeys. And this woman is doing great journeys, really digging up stuff she didn't know, didn't want to know, and really is angry and sad and struggling with the ramifications of what she believes these journeys are telling her about her own shadow and what it's going to mean to act on these journey answers in her life. And she's, she's struggling with that and, and doing a good job with that struggle. I have no criticism for her engagement in the retreat. What has been interesting, though, to observe over the months is how her understanding of what that journey uh, 
actually means. So she had a truth at the time. And, um, and what she didn't do was treat that interpretation or truth she had for those answers at the time as this absolute truth. Instead, it was her understanding at the time. It was her truth at the time. And she's allowed that to evolve as she's begun to actually act on, you know, uh, work the process from these journeys. And she's an entirely new understanding. Possibilities have opened up in her life that at the time of the original understanding did not even seem possible, weren't even on the horizon, and now they're manifest. And so this is, this is the importance of not treating your, even your first understanding of your journey as an absolute truth. Because if you really work with these answers and engage your life and engage the spirit world and then the other people involved, new things get created that didn't exist before. New possibilities open up that were unimaginable before. Which is part of the reason journeying is different from visualization and daydreaming and all those other things. Because by journeying and acting on answers, we start to create something we couldn't visualize before. It wasn't possible. We couldn't go there. This is why it's so important. And that's why it's so important right now when we're wanting to rewrite the story we're so deeply embedded in. The story we 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 come out of from the old world is shaping our sense of possibilities, our sense of even what the questions are, our sense of what possible answers are, are entirely confined and shaped by the old story. And it is only through journeying and working together, I believe, that we could come up with answers for the people in the future, the people we want to be when we come back again and look back on our lives and say, hmm, those ancestors, not so bad. They kicked some butt there at the beginning of the new world. They really worked hard to unload all that bias, all that suffering, all that woundedness, all that reality they drug from that old world because they couldn't help it. That's the world they came out of. And we're willing to let that go for the possibility of a different future so that we could be here now and look back at those ancestors and toast them. We are those ancestors right now, people. I want to be toasted. I want to be toasted by my descendants for kicking some butt here at the beginning of the new world. So let's go. So where was I? Sorry. Distraction. All right. Back to misconceptions. Oh, I'm almost out of time. Okay. The next expectation that people do is that the answer alone will change your life. In other words, I've journeyed. I've got my answer. I have new insight. That's all I need to do. You need to change your life if you want to change your life. You need to do things. You need to act. And so you may need to take some more journeys to understand what the action is. I think I already told this story last week, but I had this beautiful client sitting in front of me going, but I know what my destiny is. I've journeyed about it and they've told me. I said, great, stop asking that question. Journey to ask, what's the next step? How do you take a step from where you are towards that destiny? Let that destiny be the great billboard out there on the highway of life, you know, way out there, little tiny box out in the future. What's the next step to get there? Oh, gracious. Okay, so my final um, misconception about journeying is that you can perform a shamanic journey. You alone cannot. You and your helping spirits My helping spirits and I, we perform shamanic journeys. That the whole point of the journeying is entering into intimate relationship with the divine through the energy of your helping spirits. That is what makes it a journey. And this is always forgotten by beginning journeyers. They're so desperate to get there and get the task done. And there's this beautiful story from um, the conference up in BC this year. I did a ceremony where people had to journey with the eye, to, uh, through the eye of time. And, and yes, it was advanced journeying. And there were beginning journeyers in the ceremony. Bless their hearts for hanging in there. And the common mistake they make is I got into the journey and I didn't know where the eye of time was. And so I spent the whole time trying to find the eye of time. And my first question is, where was your helping spirit? Oh, I don't know. I was so busy looking for the eye of time or the whatever. You know, my point is intention, 
vehicle, starting place, get to your opening, come out, connect with your helping spirit. Then you ask your question. Whatever you do in the journey, you do with your helping spirits because the purpose of the journey is your direct and intimate connection with your helping spirits and opening up all of your senses for all they have to offer you to flow in through your body, through your heart, through your touch, through all that makes you human. So I hope today I've helped those of you that might be stuck in places in your beginning journeying. And I hope that I have inspired those of you who are practitioners to listen to the kinds of things Sandy and others are saying right now about how we need to deepen our practice and move it out of a concept into an actual embodied practice. So I give thanks to the ancestors that are holding these teachings close to us and may we listen more clearly. And I give thanks to the energy of the earth below and the sky above and the way that both of these energies are always available to energize our practice. And I give thanks to the heart energy that unites this all. And I give thanks to all of you who are listening. Have a lovely week.